You're listening to the Faith and Other Oddities podcast, brought to you by the Raven Creek Social Club, where we talk about faith and other oddities. For questions, comments, or to be part of the conversation, join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can find us at Raven Creek SC. Now for your hosts, Emily Dixon and Nathan Underwood. Well, everyone, welcome to Faith and Other Oddities. Uh, we got a special interview edition. Uh, we have yeah. our guest, uh, Becca Level-Kaze. Um, I just learned how to pronounce the her new last name. Um, I knew the old one. Yeah. Um, well, I guess it's hyphenated now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, we've we've kind of, full disclosure, we've known each other for Literally we all kids. my life. Yeah. <laughs> well, our fathers knew each other. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah our, so, our, our so growing up, friends. Yeah. Growing up, you guys were like the cool big kids. And like, <laughs> I, and now I'm just like, I get to come and play with the big kids. So, yeah. So that, that's kind of funny because yeah. I, I don't know. I've never felt like the big kids. But. Yeah. I mean, I was like that tall. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, the reason we have, yeah. Becca, the reason we have you on is uh, mm-hmm. Becca yeah. just completed uh, or has completed her mm-hmm. master's in archaeology and biblical studies. Mm hmm. And is going on for her doctorate in archaeology. So yep. um, you've done some digs over yeah. in the Middle East and <laughs> yeah. that area. So I'm curious to hear some of those stories. I don't know. Emily yeah. has more of the details, so she probably <laughs> yeah. knows more yeah, yeah. of the questions to ask. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, but um, we're delighted mm. to have you and, and we're really excited to to kind of hear I'm some of the stuff that, that how archaeology kind of ties into mm-hmm. yeah. uh, your biblical studies and even some of ours yeah yeah well and i should also disclose becca was a former student of mine so i got to help that was so weird like i loved having (laughs) you in class but like having to call you by your last name i was like i felt sarcastic every time (laughs) it was weird for me too so you know it it went both ways But yeah, you, you've taken that, what was yeah. an associate's degree in Christian ministries? No, it was a bachelor's. Oh, yes, that they point, had switched. They, they, yeah. That's right. I was one of the early classes in that. So, okay. Yeah. Cool. So you got to move on from there. So, yeah. where did you get your master's from? Yeah. Um, I got my master's at um, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. I have to count off on my fingers because it's so long acronym. <laughs> um, but the Tandy Institute of Archaeology is the archaeology school there. And um, very well established. Uh, they've been, oh gosh, I don't even remember the year it was founded. I'm gonna gonna get scolded for not remembering that. Um, but <laughs> I'm also doing my PhD through them, so it's it's kind of nice. I lots of familiar faces, lots of people who kind of moved up with me, um, and they have projects all over the place right now. So. So yeah. where where have you gone to dig? Uh, well, say so before you yeah, get there, yeah, let's yeah. Look, what, what what got you interested in archaeology? That's we should start uh, there. Okay, see, I know that story. No, they don't know. She's here to talk to them too, not uh, just us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, oh, I'm going to try so hard to put on my my diplomatic hat here. Um, it's it does not come naturally to me. Um, for a long time there we were involved in a church that was um fundamentalist mm-hmm. and you know the long skirts long hair king james only women should never have a job and you know if you vote you need to talk to your husband about who you're supposed to vote for so you don't cancel out his vote uh lots of fun um and you know but i grew up on a farm so i did things in a denim skirt you're not meant to do in a denim skirt <laughs> um, i remember those days yeah i actually at one point um caught the hem of my denim skirt on a tractor step and face planted in gravel and chipped a tooth. Oh, wow. 
which is why you're not supposed to do those things in a skirt. <laughs> but uh, I like to say I have a chipped tooth from bad theology. Um, it still aches <laughs> if I have ice water. Um, <laughs> that's the, probably the least harmful effect from that. So fair enough. But um, there was a very anti-intellectual um, stance. And I, I remember the pastor saying things like, you know, you can't trust them theology books because it's just somebody's opinion. Mm -hmm. Well, this is a pastor who's never had any formal training. He's just a guy who picked up a King James version of the Bible and decided that he was going to preach because, you know, Jesus was a carpenter. He used to be a carpenter. Well, now, you know, mm -hmm. it's, that works, Fully right? Fully qualified, right? Yeah. Fully qualified. <laughs> um, and so you, you have people that, um, I mean, King James is hard to read if you're mm -hmm. not familiar with, you know, Shakespeare, which um, I went through a heavy Shakespeare phase in like middle school. So <laughs> I, I could keep up. Um, but if you're not able to interpret the Bible using any sort of study tools whatsoever, mm -hmm. you look at the pastor. Right. The pastor is the oracle of God. He is the one who's got the in with the almighty. And everything he's, he says is gold. Mm -hmm. sure. So if he sure. tells you that you're supposed to live in a certain way, you live that way. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, and, yeah, I, I definitely am familiar yeah. with that attitude. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, I, I know even listening to various uh, scholars, there's yeah. some, there's still a divide yeah. in, in scholars of, oh, well that, that school mm -hmm. over there, they're just looking for yeah. excuses to dismiss God's word or, or this, you know, yeah. so yeah. yeah. I, that and so unfortunately is very common. The idea that if you, study then you're going to lose your faith mm -hmm. you know and that was drilled into us so much and so um and you know i i wanted to live in a way that pleased god mm -hmm. so yeah that's why i was wearing denim skirts and using the welder and driving tractors <laughs> in it and everything i have a great picture of me in a welding helmet and a denim skirt and like denim uh sure so i should dig that up later you send that to us we'll make it the thumbnail right for the, for the <laughs> uh, so yeah but i live that lifestyle and bought into it because it's like you know this is what my parents believe mm -hmm. this is what all the adults around me believe because mm -hmm. we we were homeschooled and so it's like there's, there's this very um small uh sample size of society <laughs> right. that i was right. allowed to interact with uh because everybody outside of that isn't safe mm -hmm. um and so but there were there were questions i just suppressed them um you know i've never really been a confrontational person so but i just i would sit and i thought a lot you know <laughs> and literally if i got bored in the sermons i would be reading my bible because it's like we didn't mm -hmm. have cell phones back then so it's like i i'm i'm just you know i'd zone out and just read the bible you yeah. know mm -hmm. and so i i found a lot of really good stuff that way but um so i get to college it was kind of an accident that i even went to college because you're not supposed to do that in the fundamentalist <laughs> you know world um, so I, I enrolled first in nursing school, stayed in there for two semesters and felt like I wasn't where I was supposed to be. Right. So after a whole summer of, um, reflecting and praying, I was like, I think I'm supposed to go into the Christian ministry program, which, mm -hmm. um, the school had one. So, um, yeah, so I, I went to the professor, I changed my major and a lot of people in my family, I don't want to say everyone, but a lot of people in my family went nuts. <laughs> what are you going to do with that degree? It's like, you're going to go out and preach. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't feel led to do that. And being raised in a certain denomination that does not believe in women preachers. It's like, you know, I, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. 
but I knew where I was supposed to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a familiar story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so I I switched my major and started, um, I, I got into my first Old Testament course and started realizing all of these things that I was taught in church, all of these tenets of the anti-intellectualism, the fundamentalism and everything, they don't hold up when you know the historical context. Right. Mm-hmm. And just just seeing that there's a whole world beyond the text, not, not saying that the text itself isn't sufficient for life and faith, mm-hmm. but to understand the text, you have to understand the culture. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until I started getting close to the end of my bachelor's degree that I was like, well, dang, there are people who are archaeologists and why can't I study that too, you know? Yeah. And so I, I looked into several programs. Um, actually went to a school that I'm, I'm not going to name because I don't, you know, want to stir up trouble. <laughs> but um, I talked to a professor at another school. And um, at that particular school, archaeology was a minor. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a major. Um, yeah, it just it was what they had. And so I had several people tell me, Go study in Fort Worth with, um, with Davis and Ortiz. And if, if you want to do this for a career, if you're really serious about it, go talk to them. Okay. And um, so I did. And I, I registered. I was, and I literally, I told them, I'm like, I heard you're the best. And I want to work at the best. And so I was game changer. I, I thought I knew <laughs> something about archaeology before I started that program. <laughs> and it's, I learned I knew nothing, you know. Um, so it was, it's, it was a journey. Um, and then I, I did my master's. I took a year off. And um, I shouldn't have told my professor this, but it's like, uh, as I'm applying for PhD, I'm like, it took me four months, four months. And I was like, I got to get back into this. It's like, I know <laughs> this is time. I need to get back into this mm-hmm. because it's like, I can't take just, just not doing it. So yeah, it's like, you know, you fall in love. So very cool. Yeah. Well, what? Okay. So you said that you, you found out you knew nothing about it once you got into it. What, um, just for fun, what yeah. was probably the craziest, like the, the biggest thing that yeah. you had wrong that you were just like, I can't believe I even believe that. Oh my gosh. Um, it was this idea that archaeology is supposed to prove the Bible. Uh-huh. And okay. it's, it's a common enough one, and I, I see it all the time. And I think sometimes uh, teachers aren't, they don't have the resources or they don't know the right resources to look at to be able to, to divest themselves of that idea. Mm-hmm. And um, so learning, first of all, prove is kind of a dirty word in archaeology. It's like <laughs> right? you, you don't, I mean there's such a small percentage of the ancient world that survives in archaeology. Anything that's biodegradable is gone. Mm -hmm. You know, you have, you have stone, you have metal, you have, if you're really, really lucky, you might have some wood, Mm -hmm. like, you know, King Tut is a miracle that, Mm -hmm. you know, we have all that. So, but, but but is it kind of like, is it kind of like the fact that it's so pop that King Tut and his stuff is so popular? That people kind of have the impression that that stuff's just laying oh, around yeah, everywhere. Yeah, I mean, it, before before King Tut was a thing, you know, archaeology really was not what it is now. You know, it's just like it, it wasn't in the public eye. It yeah. was more of one of those ivory tower academic pursuits that you know is kind of more attached to like the classics and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So it, it kind of, it, it was kind of a watershed moment where the public was just like, ooh, you know, cool stuff, but it's shiny. And it is, it's <laughs> awesome. I've got, I've got to, you know, see some of it. It's fantastic. But um, I think that's what the public gets is that, ooh, shiny sort of stuff. And mm -hmm. they think that's the norm. Yeah. You know, and so we're geeking out over walls and, you know, pop shirts and stuff like that. And it's like, that's like 90% of what we do. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. well, I think, you know, if you look mm -hmm. at the Qumran digs versus like right? the Egyptian digs, there's such oh, a yeah. huge difference. Mm -hmm. And to see the, the things that have been popularized in the oh, media, yeah. because... You and I have talked a lot about how this is yeah. not Indiana Jones. Oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> so um, how unlike Indiana Jones is oh it? Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, there's a really great podcast. I, I mentioned it to Emily. Um, Indiana Jones in History by Justin M. Jacobs. Um, I listened to it when I was traveling back and forth. Oh, are you looking up now? Yeah, I'm looking it up. <laughs> okay. keep, keep going. Yeah. Don't let me okay. bother you. It's fantastic. It's a short podcast series, but he does a fantastic job in examining what they got right and what they got wrong. Um, to, to, to give you an idea of how much they actually got right, I jumped out of my seat when he mentions in, I think it was the last crusade. I could be wrong about that. Um, something about Petrie digging at Tannis. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Petrie really did dig at Tannis. And I'm like, <laughs> so yeah, for what it is. Um, it's, it's highly romanticized. Um, in the 1930s, if, if they had just placed it about 20 years before that, mm -hmm. it would have been a bit more accurate. But then you wouldn't have them punching Nazis. And, you know, so what's the fun in that? <laughs> um, Fair enough. Yeah. So, uh, and this guy does a great job on um, breaking down, like, why that mythology evolved, you know, and a lot of it was because after World War One, um, th there was more boundaries started closing. Mm -hmm. You didn't have these great empires that were controlling these wide swaths of land, mm -hmm. and you know you have the rise of um, smaller nations that are now in charge of their own affairs. And so they started deciding, hey, we don't want Western archaeologists to just come in and take all of our stuff. Right. So we're going to establish our own museums. We're going to restrict the movement of these antiquities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the collections you see in like um, these major museums in the Western world happened. They were transported before those laws. Right. Right. You know, it's yeah. kind of like it's like the Louvre got its start from Napoleon looting other countries. So. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, it's like Indiana Jones is not a realistic depiction. It's more of this this missing what was sort of thing that gave rise to some of the mythology of, you know, the idea of just being able to go in and take what you wanted exactly. without any, you know, that procedure. belongs in my museum, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And so it's like, it's, it's definitely a different world now. Okay. And, and I would say for the better, cause it's like, we, we should respect people's cultural identity and, and heritage. So yeah. I know for a Absolutely. long time, archeologists were called glorified grave, grave robbers. You know, the, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. the idea behind archaeology was that they were looking for mm -hmm. treasure yeah. and not necessarily looking for historical. Exactly, exactly. So um, I, I was mentioning to Emily, I read this book um, recently, um, one of my professors recommended, and it's um, Agatha Christie's, well, she uses her full married name, Agatha Christie Malloran, I think is how you say it. Um, uh, yeah, I probably butchered that, but. Uh, It'll come, get us there. <laughs> yeah. Come tell me how you live. It's one of the two nonfiction books that she wrote. And um, 
later in her life, she married an archaeologist and traveled with him in Syria and Iraq. And it's her perspective on that. And reading it is like, it was, it was cool, you know, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I'm like, oh my gosh, we don't do these things anymore. Right. You know? <laughs> They're, um, at that point, um, Syria was under the control of the, the French. And so it talks about they're dividing the fines on these two long tables, like trying to make it an equal, equally valuable collection on each side. And the French will come in and take one and they'll take the other one back to Britain. And I'm like, oh, that does not happen anymore. No. That, that's amazing. Wow. <laughs> so it's great, like learning about that, but uh, it doesn't happen anymore. I don't think people realize how much things have changed mm-hmm. in this time period. and. Archaeology is one of those, it's kind of one of those underground careers and professions because it's not something that everybody's going to grow up and do. No. And I mean, for good reason, there's, you know, um, (laughs) once you get on site and figure out that you actually have to work the shovel yourself, you know, kind of thing. Right. (laughs) Um, so it was actually very interesting when I was, um, applying for the master's program. My, uh, one of my professors was telling us that the summer before you start your classes, they have you do your first dig. Mm-hmm. Because if you get on site and you absolutely hate it, you can't stand it. It's it's hot, sweaty, dusty work. You know, living conditions aren't as great. You know, it's not home <laughs> cooking, whatever. Um, I mean, I love the food over there, but some people, you know, some people can't handle it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, St. Peter's Fish, you know, Google that. It's fun. <laughs> okay. We'll get that. Later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But link uh, in the pedal store. <laughs> right. So um they have you do your first dig before you start the classes because there's no point spending the money and the time to take the classes mm-hmm. if you can't do the work. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I mean, that's smart, but I, you know, I I know myself pretty well. And I'm like, I think I'm gonna love it. And also, um, growing up as an Oklahoma farm girl, it's like heat, dust, working outside. I mean, <laughs> what's new? <you> know, <laughs> I know which end of a pickaxe to use. It's like, you know, we call that the weekend. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so I got out there and, you know, uh, of course you're nervous. It's your first time doing stuff. And I was like, no, this is what I was made to do. You know, um, I, I fell in love. Now, where was this dig? Uh, it was in Israel. Um, and uh, it, it was at uh, Tel Gezer, um, fantastic site. It was occupied for so many years and everything. Um, it's mentioned seven times in the Bible, um, significantly with, with Solomon. Um, so I'm sure you guys are going to talk about it. So, uh, but it, just on top of a hilltop, you get this gorgeous view of the valley and everything. And um, so I, I got to work there. And and I, I do say very intentionally, I got to work there. It was so awesome. <laughs> um, but it's one of the things, like, I've, I've had different jobs in my life. I've tried different things. Um, archaeology is, it fully engages my brain and my body. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a challenge in all these levels. And yeah, it can be exhausting sometimes. But it's like, you know, you take a nap, have some strong coffee, you go back at it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I love that. Because it's like the first thing I've ever done that took all of me. You yeah. know, and it's like you, you get lost in it, you know. So, so I what kind it. of th- things were y'all finding there? Did oh, any major uh, discoveries? In- yeah. <laughs> or is there anything you're allowed to talk about? I mean- yeah, yeah. A little bit of archaeology ethics here. It's like, if it's not published, you can't talk about it. Right. Okay. So it's like, you know, there's some things that I'm just like, I can't say yet. But the significance of Gezer, like at the time of uh, David and Solomon, 
um, would be that it was a border city. Mm-hmm. Okay. Especially, I, I would say, they think probably more so under under Solomon, um, because it's right in between um, Judite, like is Israeli Judite. Well, not Israeli at that point. That's a later right. anachronism. Um, Israelite Judite territory and the Philistines. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's it's like one of those border cities. Um, so it's yeah, it's interesting. And you know, they've gone back and forth over the years, like who did it belong to? And it did change hands over time. And um, so it's just really interesting to see how that looks in archaeology. And, you know, so many things I'm not allowed to say. <laughs> Maybe off mic, I'll tell you a secret or two. But, you know, you, you know, if, if you tell, I have to kill you. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so it's like we, we can't, um, if you're on a dig and you find something significant, you're not allowed to just snap a picture and t- put on Facebook. It's like, no, you've got to, you got to be professional. You've got to wait for the official publication. So you're telling read us the there, book when you come out, when it comes out. There was something big that was found, uh, but you can't tell us what it was. Well, is what you're you saying. Know, defining what's big in archaeology <laughs> is like, you know, again, it's the whole, everybody thinks it's King Tut when it could be just, you know, more of like a collection of small clues mm-hmm. you know and i mean pottery is like the language of archaeology mm-hmm. you yeah. know it's literally it counts as a language credit for for my program nice yeah because um ever since albright in about 100 years ago now uh he kind of more formalized it in that part of the world where it's like you can tell the chronology mm-hmm. you know and people might argue well is this you know, is this 10th or is it 9th century, you know, but it's like, it's still a guide for mm-hmm. telling so much, yeah. you know, and like, what culture is this? And, you know, what time period is it? And that sort of thing. So, so well, it's like, what, what we geek out about is like, not what's going to make the big sexy headlines. So, well, I loved what you, know, you were talking earlier, because uh, we talked for like an hour before we yeah, got behind yeah. the mics. Yeah, I actually wish I could have gotten most of that on the mic because it was it was a I lot mean, of information. You guys want me to talk about this. You well, know, getting me to shut up is the trick. Well, I love one of the things that you pointed out, you know, mm-hmm. one one bit of information about a certain place. Yeah. Was the fish bones in the in the campfires. Yeah. And yeah. knowing this was there's the, an extinct body of water there. So yeah. And yeah. And that was the only yeah. thing that differentiated an ancient fire site from a yeah. modern one. Yeah. And I love that because yeah. that shows you how much uh, you know, the intellectual skills and sleuthing that has oh, to go yeah. on with it. It's so much detective work. And it's like the thing too is like it's it's quite a bit like dealing with the text, like like you mm-hmm. do. Um you you have to be careful with the questions you ask. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I was telling Emily about an article I read. Um, Wright is one of the um, uh, is one of the well known archaeologists that you know have, has contributed. Had I, I can't remember what year he passed away, but um, he's one of the greats mm-hmm. in in like that part of the world. He wrote a very very good article called what archaeology can and cannot do Mm -hmm. and talking about how first of all don't ask it to prove something (laughs) you know you know it's just no uh because a lot of times you don't have the data to prove anything um but it can shed light it can illuminate Mm -hmm. it can give us the the view into this world from what remains of it and one of the things he said was, you know, I'm, I'm not quoting verbatim, but he's talking about how the questions you ask help determine 
your conclusion. Right. Mm-hmm. right. So that's why you've got to be very, very careful how you frame those questions and not have this very narrow, you know, you go out looking for Samson's hairbrush and you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. somebody's got a plastic hairbrush on the side of the road and anything will work. Right. Right. So, you know, you, you want to be professional and, and allow for that ambiguity yeah. and, um, and be careful. I mean, everybody, total objectivity is, is impossible. I mean, even mm-hmm. Spock was not, you know, <laughs> completely <laughs> objective and emotionless, but that's why archeology span is a collaborative field. Yeah. You mm-hmm. have this voice saying this side and that one comes over here and then you try and find balance if you can. And, you know, well, you compared it, it yeah. to a Talmudic discussion exactly. earlier. <laughs> it reminds me so much of that. This this person says this and this one says that. And it's like the, the argument never ends. Mm-hmm. But that's how you hammer it out and learn anything. Well, and that's how you keep from falling off into those ditches. And exactly. this is same way with the literature, because with the biblical mm-hmm. side of things. Yeah. If you try to find your viewpoint supported in scripture, you're going to find it. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I, I saw this great um, like meme on Facebook, which, you know, it goes always with a grain of salt, but um, it said something about, uh, or no, I think it was Babylon B said something like, study finds the Bible really does support your political view. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's like, if, you, if you're looking for it, you're going to find it, you know? So you got to be careful how you frame that question. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and, I love that we were talking about, um, you know, searching for, for those things, those iconic uh, mm. images of Christianity, whether you're looking mm. for the Ark of the Covenant or you're looking for the, the Ark, uh, Noah's Ark. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So when you have somebody who wants to come mm. visit your church and give this great presentation about what they found, yeah. what should we do? Yeah. <laughs> First of all, um, I would say, I mean, archaeology is an expensive endeavor, for one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, some guy out with his metal detector is not an archaeologist. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you're listening and that's you, I'm sorry. But, you know, go to school for it, please. Um, now, have amateurs stumbled across things that led to future discoveries mm-hmm. that, that influence the field? I mean, look at the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yes, absolutely. Right. But it's that scientific precision it's that careful examination and i mean you learn kid you not you learn more even from the layers in the soil and Mm -hmm. how when there's a soil change you learn more from that than sometimes you do just by the object itself right Right. you know it's like what is it found in context with so you know context is the big word that's like you know (laughs) i mean again it just goes back with any any sort of textual studies too um so first of all, who are they with? Are they with, you know, are they independent archaeologists? Be skeptical. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, if they self-publish their book, I mean, it might make good kindling. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> if they're with a, a school, an organization or something that has some repute, mm-hmm. then, then listen to what they say. Maybe be skeptical if their book title is something like what they don't want to tell you or yeah. <laughs> Aliens, man, you know, <laughs> so are archaeologists hiding, you know, like oh major my. finds from the public? No, I mean, we saw they... the warehouse at the end of Raiders yeah. of the Lost Ark. We all yeah. know it's right. Okay. Oh, uh, and by the way, while we were talking about Indiana Jones, 
Um, my colleagues and I have had, we we had a meeting and we dubbed um, Crystal Skull non canonical. So you're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, the original trilogy is the only canonical Indiana Jones. So you heard it straight from an actual <laughs> RPI. It's true. It's like you know. It's, think think of it as the. Um, apocryphal literature it's like it might get something from it it's not canonical um but yeah i mean there's all these conspiracy theories but the thing is with archaeology is like again it's expensive Mm -hmm. and if you're not sharing your work with the public in some sense through through publications through lectures through classes you know uh, there's no point you know you're you're not going to spend thousands or even millions of dollars, depending on the project and the kind of funding they have. Um, if you have millions of dollars and want to blow it on archaeology, give me a call. <laughs> but uh, we, can, we can have some real fun with that. Um, but you're not going to hide what you find. Right. You know, there might be a process of um, like we were just talking about a, a certain um, study that took three years for them to come out with yeah. the data mm-hmm. that I was just like, yes, you know, but it, it takes a while to publish. It mm-hmm. takes a while mm-hmm. to analyze. If you're doing it right, you're going to be handling these, this data carefully. Right. But ultimately the goal is to get it out there mm-hmm. in some sort of format. So I can't imagine like stumbling across, like, you know, if, if we ever had another King Tut level discovery, why would you sit on that? Right. <laughs> Right. You know, people pay to come to museum exhibits. It's like, why don't why don't you mm-hmm. share with the world? You sure. know, no, there's no cons- conspiracy like that. So, yeah. <laughs> why, why would we? <laughs> it makes sense. Well, I mean, and I think that's the problem. Most of us are not in contact with this side of the world. It, yeah, it, it is absolutely. mysterious. It, it is kind is, of yeah. glamorous because of Indiana Jones the, and yeah. the mummy. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> so, or the mummy, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, it, or, or even Jurassic Park. Like, I, I can't tell you how many times I've had, you know, this this whole conversation happens. It's like, oh, you're an archaeologist. My kid loves dinosaurs. I'm like, cool, me too. Maybe we can both meet a, um, a paleontologist someday. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like not what I do. Sorry. So, what... well, spe- well, speaking <clears throat> of specificity between fields, yeah, uh, you, you told us we were not to, uh. and, and I just want to kind of throw this out there because we're kind of already on this. But you, th- mm-hmm. you told us not to introduce you as the biblical archaeologist <laughs> because those do tend to be the, the people who have their yeah. self-published book who, yeah, uh, self-aggrandize as it were. Well, I mean, it's and... it's more of like a. a, a a time has changed sort of thing. Um, the term biblical archaeology, and, and there, I know there are still some schools who use it. Um, they're, they're comfortable with that. It's fine. My school made a very conscious decision not to, mm-hmm. because a lot of times people hear biblical archaeology and think, well, you guys are the ones trying to prove the Bible, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, there's like, there's an old slam that, you know, they have the Bible on one hand and a trial on the other, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, well, let's look here and let's, let's dig until we find it. Sure. Um, and, and that tended to be very bad methodology. Like mm-hmm. there was a lot of things that were missed. There were a lot of things that were misinterpreted. So time has changed. And so my master's degree was very carefully titled archaeology and biblical studies. Did I take Greek and Hebrew? Absolutely. At one point I started looking at my, um, you know, it's an archaeology program that's in a seminary. It's, it's an mm-hmm. interesting situation there. 
um, I started looking at a few of the other programs and realizing I had more Greek and Hebrew under my belt than a few of the other programs. Um, they've since changed it, which I'm just like, yes, now you get to experience the torture <laughs> of the participle, you know? Yeah. So, you know, um, you know, I took Greek, Hebrew, uh, Middle Egyptian hieroglyphs, and then French. So it's like, it's kind of fun, you know? Yeah, I, I've been told you never take two language classes in the same semester. I've been, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Emily was one of the voices of reason and I did it twice. <laughs> I, I would literally go from my Greek to my Hebrew class and be like, what direction am I writing in again? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've done yeah. that because I did the same thing. Hebrew and Greek, same semester, and oh. you pick up a book and try to figure out which way to open it. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, oh, and taking the hieroglyphs class the same semester as French was interesting because it's like uh, they can go, the hieroglyphs go right to left, left to right, up and down. Oh, and my. so like in French, I'd be like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and people who don't deal with that don't realize that you have to reset your brain different. Yeah, every time. Different. Neurons firing. I don't know. So it was, it was challenging, but I had fantastic professors who got me through it and it worked out, you know, but, and I'm so grateful I had the chance to do that because it's awesome. Um, I went down a rabbit hole. I forgot no, what we were talking no, no, about. No, that's totally fine. You know, we were just talking about you know, yeah. specifically naming yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The program. Yeah. So. Um, they made that conscious decision to be very specific that we're not that old model of dig until you prove the Bible's right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't think any program out there is anymore, even if they've retained the older terminology of biblical archaeology. A great example is, um, the biblical archaeology review Mm -hmm. is a fantastic publication. Like Mm -hmm. it's a wonderful bridge between what we're actually doing boots mm-hmm. on the ground and the general public. Okay. It's written in a wonderful way where people can, you know, it, it's not super technical, mm-hmm. but, and, and sometimes that's the only data that's published yet. Yeah. You're trying to get out of sight and try and figure out what's going on because you've got a term paper, right? And the only place they've published it is in there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a wonderful resource. So I'm definitely not knocking them. They've been around a long time. Mm-hmm. It's just the term got grandfathered in. More power to them. Okay. But there was a there was a time and a place where, you know, people did have bad methodology and the world has changed. Yeah. It's we've learned how to handle the data um, more carefully. And actually, I have I told Emily that I had this <laughs> quote. I'm so excited to get to share. Um, Roland DeVoe, if you've ever read about Qumran, um, mm-hmm. he's a name that comes up in publications a lot. He was a Jesuit priest, mm-hmm. French Jesuit priest and an archaeologist in the 1940s and um, 50s, I believe. I can't that remember sounds exactly. About right. Yeah. I know for sure the 40s, because that was when the Qumran excavations yeah. mm-hmm. were happening. Um, so Roland DeVoe, man of faith and an archaeologist. And he said this, um, there should be no conflict between a well-established archaeological fact and a critically examined text. And that was how he lived. That was how he did his work, was, you know, you, you hold this tension between the text mm-hmm. and the archaeological data Mm -hmm. you examine both very carefully and you don't try to just shove them together right before you've done your due diligence right Mm -hmm. and 
he said that in 1970. So, <laughs> man ahead of the times. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, and I, because I think that, you know, we're guilty of it as, you know, just the normal everyday yeah. Christian. We pick up a Bible, we read yeah. what we want to out of yeah, it. Yeah. And, mm. you know, you take me over to Israel and I find a piece of wood on the side of a mountain. Yeah. I might go, hey, I found the ark, you know, because I'm that excited. Yeah, yeah. But this is the reason why there's checks and balances. Absolutely. And I don't think people yeah. realize how seriously people who do mm. this take this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're- I mean, you get laughed out of like any sort of academic setting <laughs> if you don't, you know, you, you, you want to. You, you want to handle stuff carefully, mm-hmm. you know, so you don't mislead people. So you don't overstate yourself because that's what ended up happening. in like the, um, the 1960s and seventies was because beca- uh, ah, people overstated their case so mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. that when they started finding out that it, th- there wasn't enough support for it archeologically, mm-hmm. it shook up their world, yes. you know? And so then it swung to the other side where it's like, Okay, well, we absolutely can't use the Bible as a historical resource at all. Mm-hmm. And so throw the baby out with the bathwater there. And so, and some schools do still have that train of thought that pure archaeology shouldn't consult any text. Right. I think that's ridiculous because if I'm doing the archaeology of Julius Caesar's campaigns in Gaul, then I want to know what he said about them. Right. You yeah. Know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like you have a text in any culture in any time period. You should, I mean, don't take everything they say for granted as, well, this is what I think it says, so therefore it's what it says, but examine both carefully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, well, that, yeah. make, that makes sense. And, you know, so many archaeological finds have writing, have script. Right, and so... you know, and that's, that's a whole nother subset. I mean, archaeology as a field used to be smaller. Mm-hmm. Because these these guys had a crazy amount of education and they could, you know, they could speak seven languages and they <laughs> knew all the history and, you know, Greek and Latin. I mean, um, the podcast I mentioned with um, Indiana Jones in history, he talks about how these guys would send telegrams back and forth to each other in Latin mm-hmm. and Greek and stuff like that. And that, that was normal. Yeah. That was normal. <laughs> and so we don't have that access to education in in that depth right for the most part and a lot of times these guys were maybe well to do and stuff Mm -hmm. so um we have to and again that's why it's collaborative Mm -hmm. you know and and two it's like we've got so much data that it's branched out so there's a specialized field for inscriptions Mm -hmm. it's epigraphy okay i thought about going into it and then i had i think third or fourth semester hebrew and was like <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to do that too, too much too much i mean i i had some great conversations with with people and hebrew it, syntax yeah. is yeah uh, yeah and then you got you know you got the later hebrew and the earlier hebrew and, and you hebrew know and, and your <laughs> eyes just start crossing and so you know it's like i, I did work a little bit um in uh, egypt on an epigraphy project which is really cool Mm -hmm. um but it's not quite my speed it's like i i like getting out there getting physical with a pickaxe and and with (laughs) you know i keep mentioning pickaxes i sound like i'm nuts but you know i i like getting my hands in the dirt Mm -hmm. i think it's a product of my upbringing um 
but it's it's more like you're you're collating drawings while you're looking at the wall mm-hmm. you know because mm-hmm. there there are just some details that get lost with photography sure and and so you know my hands didn't get dirty and so i was like <laughs> put me back in my native habitat you know I, I i learned so much and i'm grateful for that but i was just like yeah this is not something i would want to do for a career you know mm-hmm. so and it's good to know that well and i think this is one of the things that I love it when the literature and the the archaeology overlap, mm, and yeah. and we actually we recording were recording yeah, earlier yeah. today, and we were talking about how archaeology, as mm-hmm. far as like First Samuel, because that's the period we're going into, yeah. uh, it can't it doesn't disprove mm. what Samuel has to say, okay. but you yeah. can't necessarily prove what's in the book because exactly. how do you capture an event david danced yeah. in front of the uh, the ark yeah well, we're or, gonna find a pair of dancing shoes i mean right i'm exactly. joking <laughs> don't start looking so, uh, or those conversations yeah. you know how do you yeah. they didn't leave a, an image on the stone yeah what's the archaeology of a miracle you know right. <laughs> how do you do that exactly but we can talk about yeah. canaanite culture the philistines being absolutely. there and absolutely absolutely that's the thing that, yeah. that helps us understand what's going on yeah for real um, I, I I love the fact that there's been several times doing the podcast I've been able to like, hey, Becca, I need a source on this or what do you know about that? And, and I'm like, here's 15 books you absolutely have to read right now. So, yeah, I actually had to like, I, I was telling Emily, but I had to narrow down my three favorite archaeology books right now. I'll put Butterfly that in the sky. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, so anyway. Don't how, sing that. We might, oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. No, it's shorter than 20 seconds. We're good. So. Yeah. So it was painful trying to figure out what were my three top books at the moment and everything. So, um, yeah, I guess we could talk about yeah, it now. Let's... Um, so while you guys were doing the judges podcast, I was doing a class over iron age one, which is considered to be the period of the Israelite settlement. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, there's like different settlement patterns. Okay. And so people have had all sorts of theories about what where did these people come from in the settlement? You know, there's been different theories. A really good summary of it, and uh, probably not showing up too well on camera, it's who were the early Israelites and where did they come from by Bill Deaver. We'll take a picture of that. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we'll, so we'll find a link. My cat well. chewed on the corner, so <laughs> ring his neck. Um, but, you know, there's, there's some things I disagree with him about. Mm-hmm. But for, for the most part, he does a really good job of examining what the theories are, where did they come from, what is the data that's out there at the time the book was published, which I think is fairly recently. Um, I mean, it, it is, but I'm trying to remember the exact years. <laughs> well, I, I think, anyway. yeah, I, yeah, I think one of the things that happens is uh, we don't recognize that mm-hmm. there are people who have different points of view studying oh, yeah. this. Oh, yeah. And it's it's not a consensus. It's not mm-hmm. all Christians out there working. It's not some conspiracy of like, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I have worked with um, all in the same dig sometimes. But, uh, you know, people of the Jewish faith, you know, Muslims, uh, atheists, Christians, you know, people who don't even know what they believe yet. And that's mm-hmm. okay, too. And so I have these fantastic conversations with people mm-hmm. because... You know, sometimes it can be hard for people to get along, but if you're archaeologist and you care about <laughs> learning about other cultures, mm-hmm. you know, not to say that I'm like going around trying to like convert everybody, but, um, you know, talking about, well, what, what are your traditions with your people? And mm-hmm. how is that different than what I believe? And, you know, and everybody does this on a uh-huh. day. 
it's kind of like uh, there's there's a, there's a lot of parallels between archaeology and military life mm-hmm. because Air Force brat here, you know, my <laughs> my dad um, served, and so it's like I always used to joke: sergeants don't retire; they get reassigned to a civilian unit. It's so <laughs> true. Um, so a lot of those mentalities and traditions mm-hmm. are the same. But if you are in the little literal trenches with somebody, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, everybody's sweaty and dusty, and you know, there's there's no room for formalities. You know, right. it's like you get to know people, you mm-hmm. get to talk about what's important to them, and it's great. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, some of my best friends are because of archaeology, and I love it. Yeah, so that's I, cool. I, I think that's that's one of the really cool things that comes out of it when you do have those varying viewpoints mm-hmm. all coming together. Oh yeah, then you have a much more balanced approach. Yeah, absolutely, and you're forced to examine. Mm-hmm. It, am I saying this is what this piece of information means because mm-hmm. I like it, I oh, want yeah. it, or is it because this it's, is it's actually what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah and that's uh, again, it's like um, a lot of times too. I think what people don't realize is, um. There's a whole lot more people going into the publishing of these books than just the people on the cover. Right. Because if you are like a lower level supervisor, you know, your name might not be on the publication. It's Mm -hmm. on the field notes. So if you dig far enough back, you you figure out, yeah, who was in Field West Square 7 or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, Yeah, you're going to know those sort of things if you go digging deep enough. But there's a lot of nameless people contributing to this data yeah. mm-hmm. and along the way you're discussing on on site you're discussing well what's going on here you know mm-hmm. and and balancing out those opinions and everything so it's it's really good so it's yeah. really fun and it's great to have books yeah. like this that give you these opposing views absolutely and give you some insight yeah. into what the debate really is yeah and he's up front with this is where i'm coming from with this mm-hmm. and i think that's the best thing you can do is mm-hmm. you know total objectivity is as a myth Mm-hmm. You have to say, these are the questions I'm asking. Mm-hmm. This is where I'm coming from with it. This is what I think about it. Mm-hmm. And then somebody can say, okay, all of that's totally wrong. Here's where I'm coming from. This is what I think about it. And that's the give and take. And, and it's great. So that's awesome. Um, if you're interested more in the um, like history of archaeology, this is like, it is so much like certain, you know, PBS shows. Um, Shifting Sands by Tom Davis. Um, he is one of my professors. Um, you know, he's really done a great job about breaking down the history of archaeology. So, like, when I talk about that shift from biblical archaeology to where we are now, this book has it. So it doesn't. It's a very plain cover, but it's because I lost the desk jacket. So it happens. <laughs> yeah, a lot. Yeah. yeah, especially if you get secondhand books, and it's great. But. Um, and then you guys might have fun with this, but in the footsteps of King David by uh, Yossi Garfinkel. So going into I'm going to borrow Daniel. this one, yeah, because I think there's some cat damage on it as well. Uh, yeah. It's I have two cats, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to constantly get away from you know the how books. That goes. So uh, yeah, so again, it's like um, there are there are aspects with any sort of reading. If you're reading right, you don't agree with the author totally on everything, right. <laughs> but but those are good good kind of places to start if you want to get deeper into the conversation so i think again, it was painful having to narrow down <laughs> <laughs> well and i think that's the other thing people don't realize uh, you, yeah. i'm sure your archaeological mm-hmm. books just like my bib lit books yeah. these are not five dollar ten dollar no. books so it, when you talk about it being expensive yeah it, it's expensive 
from the get-go. Right. Just yes. learning. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And even still, it's like, you know, um, libraries are a great resource to learn how to do interlibrary loan. Um, it can get you a long ways. But there was one specific book that I needed for my thesis. I've been there. <laughs> one specific book by this one author, and it was a certain edition of this book. Mm-hmm. I tried to request it from interlibrary loan. I'm, I'm on a deadline. I've got to finish my thesis. Um, so I needed maybe like the third edition and the library website lied to me. They <laughs> said that whatever, you know, is somewhere in the U.S. I think it was up in Montana. I don't know. Um, they said they had the third edition. So I requested it and I wait for months for it to get there. And when it gets there, it's the dang second edition that doesn't have the updated information I need. So in my travels this last summer, I bought the book I needed from the one place that publishes it and this island halfway across the world. So it's like, it's in my possession. <laughs> I have it. It's I will never proof, let it go. Fireproof save. Yeah, that's exactly. exactly. Put it in the firebox. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it wasn't even that expensive over there, but it's like, it would have been like $400 for me to order it online. So uh, yeah. And unfortunately, yeah. when you start looking at this kind of information, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's the level normal. you're playing on. Yeah. And that's that's the reason why I think a lot of people don't have this information is mm. because mm-hmm. h- how do you in- justify an investment right. like that if exactly. you're not using it? If this is just something you're doing for kicks, you know, mm-hmm. and and that's another reason why it's so important to collaborate with people, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, you might have one book, your friend has another book, your professor has another book. And so it's like you get together and, you know, loaning books is a sacred trust. So, <laughs> right. you know, I trust you, Emily. Uh, but yeah, so it's like this is why you you do it in a team, mm-hmm. you know, and I love that. Yeah. No. So what what has archaeology done for your faith? Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the big uh, question. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, you know, I was I was raised in in the environment I described, and I remember this moment as a teenager where I realized I'm 15. I know everything. <laughs> everything that the Bible has to teach, I know it. And it's like, oh man, I wish I had that confidence now. Um, oh, teenagers, you know, what would we do if, you know, they weren't so wise and all knowing among us, you know? <laughs> uh, so I, I kind of thought I had exhausted everything I could possibly get out of scripture. And now it was a bit boring. Mm-hmm. And man, you know, there's, there's so much more to, to learn about the Bible. And a lot of it is, I, I harp so much on the historical social context of mm-hmm. the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, you, once you start learning that and the people you learn it from may not be Christians themselves, they probably aren't just mm-hmm. knowing how diverse the field is. Learning that it's like, it, it just opens up new worlds of meaning, mm-hmm. you know, and things that you, um, I had a, I was telling Emily about a moment I had, um, I took a semester about like the second temple period on the master's level. And so we're learning about the Hashmanians, which, you know, another name for the Maccabees and how. This is so interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So they, they're warrior priests, you know, when they start Mm -hmm, out. mm -hmm. And so as long as they called themselves by, you know, different Greek words as, you know, leader, but not, you know not setting themselves up too high and everything everyone's like cool yeah fight our battles and and you know give us some freedom here the moment one of them i believe it was that alexander genius was the first one to use this term i could be wrong about that 
the moment one of them used the, the word Basileus, king, everybody lost their ever-loving minds. Right. Because he was not a son of David. He was a Levite. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's not even from the right tribe to be king. <laughs> and who is this guy and what is he doing? So that was, you know, and there's a lot of political posturing and everything. And um, I did a study on some uh, Hashemian coins. Um, and some of them actually have Paleo Hebrew on them, which had been out of use for like almost a thousand years yeah, at that huh. point. Okay. Because they're trying to call back to the golden age under David and Solomon mm -hmm. because that was a script they used back then. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Under the, the kings of Judah. And so they're trying to like this subtle, hey, we're we're calling back to those guys without actually saying something that was false very they were not a judite very politically correct oh, for their time my gosh yeah and then you know you went on and you were talking about how this played into the reading of the gospel oh, yeah yeah i um just in my own personal devotional time i was reading through one of the gospels and you know somebody calls jesus son of david i'm like whoa it's, it just jumped out at me because i'm like that's something that you would that term was so loaded with significance mm -hmm. at that mm -hmm. point in time because Herod wasn't a son of David either. Right. So everyone's just like, this isn't right. You know? So now what we read just so blase without yeah. any kind of. Oh, it's it, on posters and, you know, yeah. coffee mugs and, you know. And, yeah. and here it's like oh. a bombshell dropped into oh the middle of the gospel. But you don't get that if you don't have the yeah. archaeolo archaeological yeah, background. That's, yeah. That's pretty cool. Revolutions have started for less. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, that's what I think. We need from the archaeological community, yeah, and I think absolutely. we we need that context. But you know, when we're talking to you know, mm -hmm. when we ask you know, kind of being silly about the conspiracy theories and stuff. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I know there are attitudes like that well, out there. So what we're seeing from you though yeah. is people who go into this mm -hmm. are people who love it. Oh yeah, they're people who respect the rules, they respect yeah. the procedure. Y'all want to present the best information mm -hmm. and data. Absolutely, and. There shouldn't be a reason to, mm -hmm. oh, those intellectuals, we yeah, need to fear oh, them. They're going to shake up our faith and everything. And it's, <laughs> it's very interesting um, being a practicing Christian and being in archaeology. I had a conversation this summer where um, a friend of mine who's, who's not a believer, um, she was like, oh, so you're, you're just, it's a cultural thing, right? You know, you, you just... <laughs> this is how your family is. So this is, you know, it's, it's part of your world, but you don't really buy into it. Right. I was like, let me correct you here. And <laughs> spoiler alert, it's, it's really funny. I raise, I raise a lot of eyebrows, but my husband's a pastor mm -hmm. being an archeologist. Also a former uh, student. <laughs> yeah. 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 So uh, shout out to James. Cause it's like, he's the only man in the world that I know of who could put up with me and God knew what he was doing. I'm just saying. So yeah. Um, yeah, so he's a youth pastor. Mm -hmm. He's this is our life. This is what we do. When I'm not in the field, I'm doing the book work. You know, <laughs> I, I have a part time job, and I help out with the youth ministry. Yeah. This is what we do. Um, so it's just it's really funny because like I, I noticed, especially this summer, because I I went on a project. On my own, like mm -hmm. I was the only one from my school who was there, and everybody in my school didn't know me, you know. Um, so you know my backstory. But when I said pastor's wife, eyebrows went up, <laughs> and I noticed there were some people that for a few days there they were very uncomfortable around me. 
Mm-hmm. Cause they think that I'm gonna, I, I don't know. What, what, what do you think pastor's wives do? It's like, <laughs> I don't know. So it, it took a while. And again, and you work beside people, you sweat beside people. There's so much sweat in archeology. span You guys, if you're not okay <laughs> with that, don't be an archeologist. Um, there will be parts of your body you didn't even know could sweat and it'll sweat. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, deodorant only goes so far. Um, so anyway, people one were thing very the Indiana Jones movies got right. <laughs> right, right. Oh my gosh. But they did have Sean Connery, so we will give them that. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Okay. Fun fact. Um, first dig I was on. Um, Somebody's phone went off. I'm impressed they got service out there, honestly. Um, I want to, you know, ask them how that worked because you know, we're out in the middle of nowhere. Um, so somebody's phone went off and it's the Indiana Jones um, theme song. And I kid you not, every archaeologist on site under the age of 40, including myself, we all go to our hip pockets. Because <laughs> everybody had the same ring. Everybody does. And it's like, yeah, it's tongue in cheek and everybody knows it's not real archaeology. But it's like, you ask an archaeologist. It's who you want to be. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and for me, it was more about, oh, my gosh, he can read Latin. He can read Greek. He, can do, mm-hmm. he, can, he knows all this history and stuff. So that was the part of it I gravitated towards. But... I have to actually go a little further back because I didn't discover the Indiana Jones movies till I was like maybe seven or eight. Um, I remember being about five or six and watching a a, a PBS documentary on Otzi the Iceman. And that's what actually got me interested (laughs) in archaeology. So, I mean, I didn't think of it as a career option at that point because, you know... You, uh, again, fundamentalist environment, women aren't supposed to have careers. Never occurred to me. I think yeah. if it would have when I was younger, probably, you know, before I had kids. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I do love my text and I love my ancient literature. Yeah. And I'm kind of happy just letting you go be the one sweat. So, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> come visit a site and, you know. Yeah. I want to. That That's actually on my list of things to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, too, it's like, you know, most archaeologists are very approachable in the fact that they want you to ask them questions. So well, we yeah. have to have you hook us up with a few others and get some different perspectives. Right. That might be fun. Absolutely. But uh, we do yeah. kind of consider you like our archaeologist in residence for okay. Raven Creek. So yeah. Um, cool. Uh, Beck is part I mean, of our feed me. I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting ready to yeah. <laughs> got, got some chickens on the grill. Um, well, I, I, I have to ask, I'm yeah. curious about yeah, this. Yeah. Have you been on any digs that have had, has had a discovery you're allowed to disclose yet have you or has anything that you've been um, on been published yet just just curious there, there are some some things that are um what's the what what's mm. one of your favorite things that you can disclose okay okay um <laughs> oh gosh i gotta think about that because you know again we geek out over weird s- small things um i think really the interesting thing um as, as talking to emily um earlier about uh, the the site that i wrote my thesis on um, which is the city of Corian in Cyprus. Mm-hmm. It's on this um, windswept cliff above the sea. It's like, oh my gosh, it's everything you want an archaeological site to be. And you shared uh, some pictures of those in the paddle yes. store. So if you're not in the paddle store, you're yeah. missing out. So, okay. uh, yeah. you know, Cyprus has so much cool archaeology. Like, you know, why isn't everybody flocking there in droves? You know, maybe I should, you know, lead tours. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but... Maybe yeah. you get some funding that way. You can set uh, up uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, anyway, I won't, I won't go into, you know, there are a lot of good tour guides out there. I've, I've been with a lot of them. And then 
I've literally been working on a site and a tour guide comes past and like giving the wrong or outdated information. And we're just like, I mean, should, should we say something? <laughs> <laughs> so it's always fun. It's always fun when that happens. But, um, but yeah, so, uh, city of Corian, um, is very interesting at the level that we're working at. Um, fantastic late Roman era runs. Um, it, it was, oh gosh, it, it was occupied all the way back into the Bronze Age. So it's... Yeah, that's major. So it's fantastic. biblical figures from the Bronze Age, uh, we're looking Abraham. We're, yeah, we're looking Abraham and, and Joseph. That They're usually okay. dated to mm-hmm. around that time. Right. Um, so... A little context. I think, yeah, I, I think Abraham um, is kind of placed in like the middle Bronze Age. Okay. So... So somewhere in there just so, for the timeline yeah yeah absolutely so it's it's a long-standing city uh, you can see why when you're there because you overlook the sea you can see for miles yeah. you know if somebody's trying to invade you you want that sure so um the the timeline we're looking at is like in the fourth century um ad or ce is kind of mm-hmm. becoming the more um common abbreviation mm-hmm. right. um there was a massive earthquake that destroyed the city. Okay. So it's this very interesting. Before, it was still largely a pagan city. I mean, we're talking post-Constantine, so it's like it's not exclusively pagan. Right. We do know that there were Christians in the area. But after the earthquake, one of the first buildings to go in is a massive basilica that's a Christian church. Awesome. And yeah. (laughs) And so I literally wrote my thesis on that transition. Like what happened there? It's like you flip a switch, you hit Mm -hmm. reset and suddenly it's a Christian city. You know, that's crazy. It's wild. Okay. <laughs> like an Etch-a-Sketch. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, it's like a terrible <laughs> societal, yeah, cultural, yeah, yeah, yeah. national. <laughs> it really was. And so I, I was just sorry. like, what happened there? And so I wrote my thesis about it. But it gets even better because like just I think it's literally just a mile down the road. There is the sanctuary of Al- Apollo Hylates, or which is Greek for Apollo of the Woodlands. Okay. Massive temple complex that was operating for almost a thousand years after the earthquake. And we know it was in operation shortly before the earthquake because there were some repairs so done. After the earthquake. It's gone. Never rebuilt. Wow. Never rebuilt. It's, and so I'm just like, well, what happened there? Uh-huh. Oh, so, wow. I wonder how yeah. that plays into the Palestinian... Um, synagogues that have Helios or yeah yeah I mean okay my brain's like buzzing because I'm sure there's something that's there something there but I I don't know exactly you know and I haven't looked at the synagogue so I can't I can't really say but um so I I started exploring that transitional time and Mm -hmm. my my theory that I came out with was it was actually a Christian church who helped them rebuild you know Mm -hmm. and again it's a theory it could be wrong Mm -hmm. I feel like there's enough data there to say mm-hmm. that is plausible mm-hmm. because the first two buildings that we know are like within 20 years of the earthquake are Christian, uh-huh. explicitly Christian. There's hmm. the church and then there's a house called the house of Eustolius, gorgeous mosaics. I mean, you've seen the pictures <laughs> yes. in the pedal store. Um, and there is an inscription in the house of Eustolius saying, I feel like it's great. Like I can almost quote the translation verbatim. I'm not going to, attempt the greek um (laughs) but it says instead of 
the former like fortifications um in this that have been a, a meaningful thing for the city um this house is now fortified by christ oh you know and there's an i mean there's two inscriptions and one of them is like um eustolius is the man who is mentioned in the inscriptions as the benefactor who built this building um hence the name house of eustolius as it's known in the literature he it talks about how he heard from afar that his his hometown was in in a bad way and he came to give them this building taking care of them as apollo once did and there are some people that are like well why does it have christian and like apollo mm-hmm. you know imagery going right. on there and so people are like is this syncretism is it something and I'm like, no, I think that's a clapback. I think it's like, like <laughs> right. Apollo once did. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's how I interpret it anyway. Because it's like, there's, it's it's too, it, there was no, pagan and Christian were total opposite. Right. right. You know, it's, well, and that's, yeah. that's the interesting thing. Because this is the same time period with mm-hmm. the synagogues, which had the mosaics. Yeah. And we're, we're seeing yeah. Helios, we're seeing other Greek imagery. Yeah. In these Jewish synagogues. So what's going on here with this dialogue that's going on between Christianity, Judaism. Yeah, that's a paper somebody should write. Down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and paganism. So yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, and that's another thing too, is like, there's so much that we still don't know, mm-hmm. you know, even about stuff that has been excavated. It's like, you need to look at it from a different angle, mm-hmm. you know, and, and enter into that conversation. So it's, it's a good field for the endlessly curious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I imagine. That's, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and that's why, and the reasons why I love it. And I think too, it's like, it's really ironic. And there's a reason why I wore my Spock cat shirt today. <laughs> um, but growing up, I loved Star Trek. Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you know, I, I was more of the, the next gen era and probably, you know, putting an age on me there. Right there. <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Mm. The original, sorry. Yeah, I, 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 but, you know, I love the, the original too. I yeah, mean, no, I, I love, you know, Spock is, Spock's a man. But I, I describe myself off mic as, you know, the unholy love child of Spock, Indiana, Troy. So if you're a Trekkie, you will get that. If not, I'm sorry. Um, you know, educate yourself. We, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we love just, our sci-fi here. Yeah, so, yeah. but I think it probably had a lot of, of influence on me growing up of like this sense of exploration, mm-hmm. you know, and you can only hear so many times boldly go where no one has gone before without wanting to do that. You sure, know? Yeah. So yeah, it's really, it's cool. Cause I get to do that. It's the closest thing we got to time travel until somebody invents it, you know, that's yeah. a good way to put it. Yeah. And uh, you know, I know, uh, since, you know, not only have I known you since you were itty bitty yeah yeah <laughs> but then the fact that i did get to be your teacher and mm-hmm. to know that yeah you you have gone so far from being on that farm on a yeah. little tiny dirt road god help you if you had to pass another car oh my gosh and, so, and if it rained and if it, it was rained. oatmeal yeah yeah all of that yeah. and you you have decided yeah that to take your future in your hands and uh-huh. say i'm going to go where god's going to lead me and yeah it's and this, i never expected to end up here like no yeah it's yeah. been this great adventure that yeah. i've kind of got to live a little vicariously through some yeah. of the things you've done <laughs> and i think it, it's wonderful and i think it should be encouraging to all believers yeah. and especially this next generation coming up going, you don't have to get stuck. Uh, if God's yeah, calling absolutely. you to ministry, it's not necessarily to be behind a pulpit. It oh, may no, not be yeah. behind 
you know, mm-hmm. a, a mic for worship. Yeah. It, maybe it is archaeology. Yeah. Maybe it is something totally. I mean, I've had more conversations about the Bible and the gospel and like the Christian life in general with my archaeology colleagues than I really have in my capacity as a pastor's wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's expected in that. That's right. it. It's like, I mean, not to say that I'm not doing my due diligence there, but it's like you, you get deeper into yeah. things because mm-hmm. people are interested in the history and the culture. And, you know, and if that makes them ask questions, I mean, that's what I'm all about. It's like, mm-hmm. ask the questions. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, hey, I am loving this conversation. Yeah, and we'll continue it over dinner, I'm sure. And, yeah, we, I, yeah, we'll get to continue some more off mic, yeah. but we definitely think yeah. uh, next time you're in town, you yeah. should come back. We'll, we'll awesome. catch up and yeah. see what yeah. where you're at. Um, so thank you so much for yeah. coming on the show. Thanks this for has having been, me. It's been, been awesome. This has been a, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so I, everyone out there, if you've enjoyed the conversation, actually, do you have any projects, any like, do you do any like blogging um, or any publications I, I, anything I do you're working have, on i do have a blog i i'm not on there as much as you know i want to i probably should this could be motivation it's it's the guilt it's a shame no. <laughs> uh, but um no if if anybody wants to check out like the projects my school um is involved with um the tandy institute for archaeology um we've got we've got some awesome projects going on right now we've got more going on in the future that we're looking into that Mm -hmm. is if it if it all works out with the paperwork um it'll be fantastic so definitely something to look at there so and and we do take volunteers on digs so and donations i'm sure yeah i mean that's a tandy institute for (laughs) archaeology can i get a scholarship (laughs) we'll we'll do what we can yeah uh Uh, yeah but yeah so yeah that's the best place to find you if, if or what you're working yeah. on. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Well, we'll put links to all that Sounds in good. the show notes. And yeah. again, thanks for coming on and everyone out there, if you've enjoyed it, um, yeah. be sure to check up the, the Tandy Institute. And um, yes, my wife is texting me. The timer's going off on the chicken. Oh, so <laughs> can't burn dinner. Can't, don't no, want to burn no, no, the, no. the dinner. Uh, hit us up, ravencreeksc.com, uh, where you can find all that information, ravencreeksc on all the social media. Uh, Come be part of the conversation, and we have had such a great time. Join and the paddle store, and you can yeah, talk with Becca. There's all sorts and of you pictures can see, on there too. And you can see photos yeah. that are are not published yet. <laughs> yeah, well, inside track. Don't get me in trouble. It's like okay, no, I'm these kidding. are pictures I'm allowed to take. <laughs> okay, yes. so. these are the pictures she's allowed to share. Okay, okay, yeah, so yeah. yeah, it's all on the up and up, but yeah, they're in the yeah. paddle store. So you can hit up Patreon. Uh, two bucks a month gets you in there. So Sweet. anyway. Thanks, everyone, and uh, have a great one. We'll see you on Monday, I suppose. Bye. Bye. (laughs) You've been listening to the Faith and Other Oddities podcast, a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you've heard, please write us a review on iTunes or consider supporting us on patreon.com slash ravencreeksc. As always, thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us next week.